everyone. My name is Marielle, and I am the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers, craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi, everyone. When you look to book a tour guide, do you love to have access to skipping the line and getting ahead? Would you rather someone else do all of the work when it comes to visiting a city so you can just go along for the ride? I am delighted to have on Alessandro, founder of Tour Leader in Venice, who has been a tour guide for over five years in Venice to show you all of the wonderful places to visit and things to do. Welcome, Alessandro. Did I miss anything? No. Welcome you, too. And uh, I'm so happy to be here on stage. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you come on. And I love Venice. I've been myself. So I'm really excited to get into this episode. But I love to start off every episode with a bit of your background, right? Other places you've lived, maybe other languages, other jobs you've had, just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea about you. Okay. So first of all, I'm local. I have to tell you, I'm local. I'm native from Venice. I was born there. And I was born in Judeca Island. I don't know if you know where is Judeca. Judeca is just in front of Zatare, but it's a nice, beautiful place in Venice. And also from my windows, I could see Sama Square. So I was born there and I lived there nearly for 30 years. And Venice is deeply in my heart. And I was there with my childhood and I also had my schools and especially I got the degree. I've got a degree in history in Kafoskari, the important university that is in Venice. And after, I also have to tell you also another thing that I'm doing in my life. I'm a professor. I'm a professor in secondary school. I'm teaching history, Italian geography. I said history. So I'm teaching history to the young students from 12 years old until uh, to the 14 years old. And after, I'm a guide. So I think that, uh, you know, going to give uh, my professional is important, my professional in Venice. And it's important also to give the people the passion that I'm giving for history. I love that. And do you feel that being a professor made it a little bit easier for you to become a tour guide? Was that an easy transition to do both? Or what was the thought process of, okay, I'm a professor teaching history, but I also want to be a tour guide talking about the history of Venice? You know, it's different, of course, because uh, in front of me, I have students and it's not so easy, I have to tell you, because the students, uh, they are in a difficult age, it's, uh, the adolescents, they're called. And, you know, this was good also to become a guide because I was practicing myself with the explanations. And a lot of time when I'm explaining also to, to the during the tours, also I'm, I'm just like a professor. And I think that the, the tourists, they like also when I'm explaining with a lot of pictures, a lot of drawings that I have, you know, the history and traditions of my city. And they feel comfortable. I've seen that uh, they are so happy when I'm explaining my city as a professor between brackets, but not so serious, I have to tell you. (laughs) I was just going to say, you know, as a professor, I think it has to be a little bit more polished. And I say that because you're grading kids, right, or adults on quizzes, tests, projects, homework, etc. But when you're a tourist, right, as a tour guide, too, you're just explaining and walking around and really just having a grand old time, right? There's no tests or homework. It's just actually enjoying the history. (laughs) No, I'm not doing tests with the tourists, of course. you know, I'm asking them some questions about the tour and uh, they enjoy, you know, they enjoy to answer to me some probably with the painters. Uh, how is uh, this important uh, statue? So that I'm going to ask them, you know, sometimes during the tours. 
that makes sense. Yeah. So another thing that I have to tell you that, uh, you know, after the COVID, this terrible period, we had, uh, you know, to restart, to restart all the tours. And it was not so easy. And, you know, I got connections nowadays and we are starting again. So we hope that they are coming back to Venice, more tourists and not crowded, not overcrowded, not mass tourists. You know, we need sure. a different kind of tours, <laughs> you know. I understand that. And I think after COVID, people have become more interested, intrigued, and excited to travel the world. And they want to go places. They want to live life. And they want to do it on their own terms. So I don't think that will change. I think that's even more of a demand. But to your point, I think think there might be more flexibility in that. But I want to actually get into your tours because you offer a lot of really incredible tours. I want to get into some logistics first in terms of On average, how long are your tours? Are they public-private tours? Just would love a nice overview of what somebody can expect when booking a tour with you. My tours, you know, they're different tours. I'm going from the beautiful Hidden and Venice, that is starting from Rialto, for instance, that is the beautiful place in the market area. And I'm crossing the bridge, the famous bridge on the Grand Canal. And through the Narrow we are arriving slowly to Samarsuer, and this tour is, I think, that is the best that I'm giving on my website because a lot of tours, they are booking this kind. And I'm going to a, a nice terrace that is on the famous Fondaco dei Tedeschi, the German warehouse, which is on the Grand Canal. I'm going to the rooftop and they have a beautiful, wonderful view on Venice, 360 degrees. And uh, they can take pictures around and I can explain Venice from the top too. And I'm accompanying them also to nice, interesting, you know, handmade masks uh, laboratory. But uh, we can enter inside, we can see how the uh, masks have been made. And also I'm accompanying inside some churches. The tourists are also, I'm showing the, the famous, interesting San Giovanni Paolo, for instance, that is a Gothic church. And they are so interested about the Basilica because at the end of the tour, we are entering inside St. Mark's Basilica with the wonderful mosaics, of course, we have inside. And uh, we have uh, the skip the line, the tickets. You know, I can also buy for them in advance the tickets so we can, you know, escape the big lines that we have usually on the square. That's a huge difference. That's, to me, I feel such an advantage to working with a tour guide. Not only do you have somebody to navigate you around, but if they have the access to that skip the line, I really just think that's everything because you don't, I've seen some of those long lines and I've seen it in Rome. I've seen it in other places. And if you're not prepared, right, you're waiting on that for many hours sometimes. And so to have the advantage of you, right, to skip a line and to get in right away is brilliant. I love that. And how long are your tours per se? And are they private tours? These are private tours. You know, I'm doing my tours from my website, that is www.tourleaderinvenice.com. And so these are private tours and they are lasting for two hours. But we can go on, you know. So if they are, the tourists they are interested, I can continue not only for two hours, but mainly, mainly is only two hours per tour. And so I'm starting with this one, that is what I told you before about uh, the hidden Venice. And also I'm doing uh, the St. Mark's uh, beautiful places, of course, St. Mark's Basilica and the Doge's Palace. And these are so important, of course, uh, I'm explaining St. Mark's Square with all the history. And we are entering inside the Basilica and we are going also on the roof, on the terrace on the Basilica. So they can see the important horses, the famous four horses that Venetians, they stole from Constantinople during the famous Fourth Crusade, the original ones, but they are kept in the museum. 
After the Basilica, I'm accompanying them inside the Doge's Palace. And we are going to visit the unique, important Doge's Palace, that is the famous government place that Venetians had for a lot of years until Napoleon arrived in Venice with France, you know, in 1797. So much history, right? I think there's so much history in Venice. It feels very surreal when you talk about it. Is there any fun fact or bit of information that, I want to word this the right way, but when you think of Venice, right, is there something or a fact that you tell any tourist that goes on any of your tours that seems to shock or surprise them when it comes to Venice that they wouldn't think? Like talking about Venice, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I know when we are entering inside, for instance, uh, in the Doge's Palace, there we have uh, the interesting places. There are the, you know, the Bridge of Size, for instance. When we are crossing this famous bridge, I'm telling to them what was happening there. But the prisoners, they saw Venice for the last time through the, the windows there in the, in the bridge, the bridge uh, you know, that is linking the Doge's Palace to the prisons. On another tour, I'm doing also during the hidden tours, in, uh, I'm showing them uh, the Marco Polo, Marco Polo area where he was born where he lived there, and uh, we are staying for a while inside this nice small courtyard. And I'm going also to explain them how was Marco Polo when he went to China, when he came back, and he also he reached Venice, you know, also reaching Venice back. And he said in the also uh, was given to Venice all the history that he was uh, finding in China, the traditions there that have been important in Venice. Wow, that's very interesting. And thank you for sharing that. Because I, like I said, I think there is almost so much history in Venice. For any tourist, it could be very overwhelming. But you explain things really well. So I really appreciate you saying that. I want to segue into top hidden places, right, in Venice that you think are really important to the history of Venice that maybe a lot of tourists wouldn't think about, right? Of course, people know St. Mark's Basilica and some of the other places that you've mentioned. Yeah, I said, uh, you know, that I have different tours. So these are the two, the main ones that they usually, most of the tourists, they are booking. But I'm also doing interesting tours outside the main areas, like the ghetto. You know, I'm starting also a tour from the Jewish Quarter, the famous, important Jewish Quarter that Venetians, they built during the 16th century. And there also we are stopping in some small areas, you know, to show them the synagogues, but they are still there. And the community, because still today we have Jewish community. They are so proud to be also there. We have nearly 200 Jewish. It's beautiful. Yeah, this is interesting. The interesting tour in the Jewish ghetto. And also we have two very good restaurants that I'm suggesting there with a kosher. So a lot of tours also. I'm going through the ghetto, through the Jewish quarter, and I'm arriving to the famous church in Madonna dell'Orto. Madonna dell'Orto is a beautiful Gothic church that is uh, near the Jewish quarter. And there we have the interesting places, uh, you know, where we have paintings by Tintoretto. Tintoretto was a famous painter, so also I'm doing the art tour. So here in this tour, I'm showing also the beautiful church inside, and I'm going to show you also the uh, some of the famous important paintings by the master of the 16th century, Jacopo Busti, that is called Tintoretto. And from there, we are arriving slowly to Rialto. And it's a nice tour, I think, this one. That's very nice. And yes, you do offer so many types of tours. And I want to reiterate that because really there's, it seems to me through your tours, there's a lot of flexibility too, right? Just because you maybe advertise a tour doesn't mean you can't customize it and change it for a person. Yeah, I can also, I can also change the tour if they are, uh, you know, the tourists, they want to make a mixed tour. Like, for instance, in the morning, they want to go to the Jewish ghetto. And after in the afternoon, after the break, uh, I'm going to suggest a nice restaurant that I know. So, you know, 
suggesting the tourists, also the vegetarian, for instance, veggie tourists too, I'm suggesting them some nice areas where they can find the veggie food or uh, the vegetarian, because I'm vegetarian too. So <laughs> nearly uh, seven years, but I'm vegetarian, and I'm suggesting also a nice restaurant to break. That's good that you know that, right? Because I think there are certain dietary restrictions for people that maybe can't go to the seafood restaurants or maybe don't want to go eat red meat, but they still want to enjoy the food in Venice. Do you have three to five restaurants then that are vegetarian that you truly enjoy and that you go to as a local? Yeah, you know, we have two important restaurants that they are so nice. One is called Alla Zucca and near San Giacomo dell'Orio. And it's so interesting there. It's a small place. But uh, there they have very good uh, vegetarian food and it's not so expensive, I have to tell you. And Techa Vegana, Techa Vegana that is also nice and is not so in the center of Venice. It's uh, near the uh, Piazza La Roma area, near the train station area. So that one is also good for the vegetarian and veggie, you know, tourists. But I can suggest also the kosher. The kosher, gam gam, that is in the Jewish ghetto, but it's so interesting too. Because there, I went there a lot of time, and uh, they are very good vegetarian food and also vegan they're using. That's good to note too, Ray. I appreciate that you saying that because when I was in Venice, it felt like there was a ton of seafood, not in a bad way. It was delicious, but it's nice to know that there are other options available for people who are vegetarian like yourself. So thank you for sharing that. And in terms of tourists going to Venice, right, people always want to know proper ways of doing things, right? Whether it's knowing to tip, not to tip, whether it's how respectful to be. When somebody, and I'm going to say a tourist, right, going to Venice Is there anything to keep in mind when talking to local Venetians that they should be aware of or any type of tradition that they should respect? So I have to tell you, for the tip, you know, yeah, they can leave. They can leave the tip to our to us, to the guides. They can give us the tips, no problem at all. You know, during the COVID, we had problems, uh, you know, to give some money, you know, with the tips uh, by hand. But uh, after uh, we had been used to it, no problem at all. And some suggestions that I have to tell you is about, uh, you know, the dresses that had to be used, especially for the churches. So to enter inside Basilica, for instance, uh, St. Mark's Square, the famous important basilica, they have, especially the women, they have to cover the shoulders and the knees before entering inside. And they have to be respectful, of course, about the religious place. Another thing that I have to suggest is not to carry with you big backpacks. Big backpacks, uh, for instance, to inside the Doge's Palace or inside the St. Mark's Basilica. And it's better to leave in the hotel, or you have places there nearby the church or nearby the Doge's Palace to leave them. So it's better to understand these, these tips or suggestions. Those are all great to note, right? Because I've actually gone to Israel many years ago. And when you go to the West Wall over there, or I think it's the Western part, blanking out for a second, but it's the Western Wall in Israel and Jerusalem specifically. And when you go through, you also need to cover your shoulders and below your knee. So that's great to know that too, right? Because if you were just going and maybe on a hot summer day and you're in shorts and a tank top, probably not the best place to go. So that's really helpful to keep in mind on your next trip, right? And especially if you're going St. Mark's Basilica, which is a very famous place in Venice. Yes, of course. 
It's beautiful. Any other places that you think people should go to when they go to Venice, right? And I want to stick to hidden gem places in terms of understanding the history of Venice. I know you've mentioned so many, but I was curious if there was anywhere else that you think people should go. Another place that is Judeca, for instance. Judeca, the place where I was born. But uh, a lot of tourists are going there. And I think that Judeca is interesting. It's a, it's a bit far from uh, nearly 10 minutes from the square by boats. And there you can visit uh, nice areas, especially we have there again, three important churches. The important ones that are called the Redentore, the Redeemer. And uh, the other one is a small one that is called Santa Eufemia, that is a Romanesque church that is so interesting. But uh, Judeca is famous for uh, the nice artisans' shops. We have nice artisans' uh, small laboratory and uh, they are preparing also different stuff like a small glass factory. They're still preparing pearls, for instance, small nice interesting object and we have also an interesting artisan shop that they are preparing nice uh, important paintings so uh, accompanying the people also to see these nice artisan shops inside in the, this island and also I can suggest uh, the area near Rialto where we have also the typical Cicchetti the typical Cicchetti you know Baccaro they are called they are small you know restaurants bars and they are offering nice very good bread pieces of a with a eggs with a cheese or with fish and accompanied by of course a glass of wine but it's very good to taste I mean I've had it before too, and it's delicious. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I want to talk about local artists, right, and artisans for a second, because when I went to Venice, there were so many beautiful masks that I was so amazed by, and also Murano glass. Can you name me maybe three to five souvenir shops that you feel tourists should really go and support that really sell amazing products that speak to Venice, right? And that when you take it home, it just, you feel a little bit like a Venetian in a way. So I can suggest uh, the best one that I know them and they're working there since, yeah, they are working there for nearly 35 years. So they are called uh, Sogno Veneziano Atelier. And I think they are so expert on this, uh, about the masks and the costumes, because they are preparing excellent, beautiful masks and also dresses because uh, they are a couple. So the man is expert, especially with masks and also shoes, he's preparing shoes. And the wife is preparing dresses. She has more than 300, more than 300 different dresses, ladies or men. Does she make them by hand? By hand. Wow. So this one is, uh, if you're going in Instagram, you can uh, see because you can write Sonio Veneziano Atelier and you can find also a lot of pictures about the dresses they're making and the masks. And inside in this shop also, they're making laboratory. So you can book a laboratory. Usually I'm a company tourist also there. And so you can uh, have your own mask being painted by you and you can carry with you at the end. It's so interesting. It's so amazing to make one mask by yourself and to carry away for, with you, you know, and and it's a special, you know, it's a special place to go. That's very cool. So for the glass factory, I can suggest uh, to go to Murano, of course, because uh, Murano is the place, is the place of the glass. There, the first glass factory had been there since 1291. 1291, wow. imagine. And why Venetians, they choose uh, Murano? Because it was a safe area against uh, the fire. Because in Venice, we had a lot of fires. Okay, I don't want to remember again the history and dates. But for this, they went to Murano. And I can suggest a nice glass factory that is Esteban Rossetto, but is a... 
it's nice because uh, I can also get in touch with a with friend of mine. But uh, you know, with the tourists usually I'm suggesting with this nice glass factory, and they have also with a friend of mine a passage, a free lift to go there by taxi with a, a special water taxi that is a company to Murano, and they can go to this glass factory for free. Okay, they can go there. They are a company there, and uh, they have uh, a special glass exhibition, especially only for a private tour. But I'm accompanying them inside here in this place. And uh, they can also buy there whatever they like, of course. So the biggest difference with this Murano exhibition, you as a tourist, we couldn't just go there by ourselves, right? We really would need to be accompanied by somebody like yourself to actually take you there and to walk around. Is that kind of the gist? Or can you go by yourself? You can go also by yourself, no problem. But, you know, it's a, an experience that you can also do with a water taxi, with a free water taxi that accompany you directly there. So it's nice, you know, to go to Murano from Venice and to have this experience. But you can go also by yourself. Sure. And thank you for the clarification, right? Because some people may be adventurous and go by themselves and have figured it out. Some people may like the idea of a tour guide to just show them around, right? Say, here you go. I'll pay you this. Take me to these places and just make my life a lot easier. So everybody's a different type of traveler. So I want to be mindful if you can or you can't, but that's very helpful. And another question I have is, what should any tourist be warned about when going to Venice, right? Some of the things I think of, a friend of mine when I went, she got bit up by mosquitoes. Just, you know, I don't think they liked her, right? So they wanted to kind of suck her blood and give her mosquitoes when I got none. I understand. So they are afraid about something, you know, about mosquitoes. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the heat, for instance, uh, during the summertime, I have to suggest to the tourists, especially, that they have to, you know, be aware about the, the hot weather that we have in during the summertime, especially in July, we have hot weather and humidity. So for instance, if the temperature is about uh, 30 degrees with the humidity, could be nearly 40 so it's so hot so you have to be also so careful to take to bring with you bottles of water okay and also dress you know easily of course to walk with, with the walking tours and uh, of course carrying with you bring with you you know a floor for the churches to cover your knees and uh, another thing but uh, the mosquitoes yes that's right this is uh, is terrible especially during the evenings or in the nights but uh, the, you know could be good for the tourist uh, to escape these uh, kind of things uh, uh, because in the usually in the hotels or in the bed and breakfast they have uh, something to be of course uh, safe against them that's all very great tips, and I think that's very helpful to share because, again, a lot of people may not know that, but it's great for a local to say it, right? Because you live it, you breathe it, you're there all the time giving tours and also being a professor. So that is very helpful to mention. And when it comes to Venice, right, as a tourist, one of the things that surprised me was just getting around. And I say it in a way where Venice obviously doesn't have cars, right? It doesn't have any taxis or buses. So you're really reliant on on walking or on a canal, right? Or a water taxi. What are some tips for someone to get around, right? Like what are some great tips to help somebody understand that Venice to navigate and to really have the best experience when getting around Venice in general? I can suggest, first of all, not using Google Maps. 
<laughs> yeah, why I said this. <laughs> now you can Google Maps because the first thing to do is to buy a paper, a paper card, okay? Simple uh, one, but uh, you can use it, okay? You have to use these ones because it's better because sometimes with the Google Maps, you know, you can lose yourself. The sign also is not so good and uh, you can lose yourself. So it's better to use the paper, okay? The, uh, the old time, you know, map and uh, you can find your way, of course. And uh, important to know that uh, the prices for the public transports, they are a bit expensive. And it's better to buy the 24 hour or the 48 hours. Or for instance, for three days or for one week, you can choose the different options. So first of all, you have to inform yourself about uh, this kind of tickets. They can be valid for one week or for the days that you are going to stay in Venice because only for one ticket is not so much. It's not so good, you know, because you have to pay €7.50 only for one route. And it's better to buy or for two days or three days or for one week or for the days you're going to stay. That's a great tip because I think people may have a misconception that I don't want to say it's like a subway ride, right? But it's a, like a quick ride and it's not going to be expensive. But that's a great tip to say, okay, maybe just do a 24 to 48 hour experience. So you can almost hop on and off, right? And it's probably cheaper that way. So and another guest want to tell to the tourist, okay, about the gondola, for instance, the gondolas, they are, you have to know, but or for half an hour, for half an hour is 80 euros, 80, okay, for half an hour. Okay, don't worry. Don't be afraid about this price. You can share with people. So it's better to share with uh, five people and you can share the prices because if you're going, of course, in a couple, okay, if you want to stay alone to have a nice, important event, okay, you can choose 80 euros and it's for you, of course. But if you want to share with others, it's better. So sharing and good price. Wait, I do have a question on this. I only went with, you know, my friend and so it was the two of us. I don't even remember, to be quite honest with you, having the option to share. So you can fit up to five people on a gondola? Yes, yes. You can go by five. Also with the, the tour, okay, with the tour guide, but I, I can be with you and I can explain to you Venice and you can be in five. That's good to know. Do you feel gondola rides are worth it to go on? And I, I did it because I wanted the experience to try it, right? But do you feel people should do them at least once in their life if they're going to Venice? Yes, yes. This is uh, important. One day in your life, you can do this experience. And, you know, because the gondola, the gondolas are only in Venice, of course. The gondola, they are Venetians. They've been invented there. So they're still you know, made in Venice. This is another thing that I'm going to tell you. During one of my tours, I'm a company also inside the important places where they're still building the gondolas. They're called the Squero. And in this small, you know, there are small shipyards. There are only five in Venice. And you can see still today how they are working, how they are building the gondolas. And they are so interesting. So I was telling to you about uh, the gondola ride. Yeah, they have to do. They have to do only one day. And uh, this experience, they will remember for all their life. Wow, I love that. And I think that's really cool to see how they're made, right? When you go to Venice, you typically see them in the water, right? And you see that everybody rowing them. But it's a different experience when you can get a behind the scenes look of actually seeing how they're made, right? I'm sure it's a beautiful process. So I'm really glad you shared that because I think more people might be intrigued, right? Yes, it's interesting you know, how they're building because they're not made in plastic. So they're still made in wood. They have typical kind of woods and they're using eight different kind of wood they are called from nut from cherry so the large also the large wood and uh, they are so unique worked because they have to follow the usually you know the the right standard they have the important historical standard that they have 
Wow. That's great. And I love that. I think that's—I don't want to say it's old school, but it's very old school, right? When you can make something by hand and use wood. So how long does a gondola last, like an actual gondola boat? Do they need to be serviced a lot, or is it one of those things where they last forever, right? What are some no, of the— No, they're not lasting forever. They're lasting nearly for nearly 15 years, 15 years nearly. But if they are renovating you know, so frequently, after five years, they have to paint again. They can last, yeah, they can last 20 years, for instance. And, you know, these are important objects. They are so important in Venice. And uh, the gondoliers, they suffered a lot, like us, like the guides, during the COVID. And now I hope that the tourists, they are booking also the gondola rides because they are so interesting too. I'm sure they will, right? That's just, to me, when I think of Venice, I think of the canals, I think of the gondola rides, I think of St. Mark's Basilica, I think of the masks, Murano glass. There's so much I can relate or when I think about Venice, certain words, phrases, actions, right? So there is so much of that. You know, it's important to let the people know that uh, you have to book the license guide. So this is so important to tell on me on my interview here because I'm a license guide. So I have the uh, license. So I've I've studied for this and I uh, got the exam. And uh, because in Venice nowadays we have a lot of free tours, and uh, the free tours they are not guided by license guide. So I have to suggest the tourist please book a an important guide, okay, a guide, a real guide, because the free tours guide they are not real guide. I have to tell you this. This, this is important. That's very good to know. And again, I think that is important, right? Because there's credibility there. It seems like, I don't want to say anybody can go on a tour, but a lot of people really want to go on a tour with someone who is not only a local, but who knows their stuff, right? Who knows their history, who knows the language, who knows what's going on, how to get you around and really be that thoughtful leader that you hope for. And as we kind of slowly wrap up, the last question I have that I love to end every episode with is how do you want people to feel? when they experience any of your tours working with you? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. So I think that uh, like I had yeah, two days ago, another nice family with me, they have to feel like in a family. So with me, you have to feel like in a family, like a, you know, like friends also, you know, and because I'm local, so you have to feel so comfortable with me. And I like also at the end of the tours to offer a drink to my tourists. And so nice to stay just in a small bar, you know, in a baccarat and to enjoy ourselves at the end of the tour and to to recap everything that we have seen, you know, and to enjoy ourselves. This is important, how they have to feel with me. So what is your, I'm very curious on this before we wrap up, what is your drink of choice? What is a drink that you love, but also a drink that is local to Venetians? So I love uh, the typical aperitif. Like, uh, you know, here in Venice, it's called spritz. Spritz, uh, had been invented here, was invented in Venice during the Austrian period. Because in Venice, we had Austro, also Austrian after uh, the French, they arrived here in Venice. And Venetians wanted to invent this drink that is made with Campari, Prosecco and uh, Oliva, a small olive inside. And that's it. And also some water, but not so much. 
And this is a, my typical drink, but I always I'm, I'm going to offer to the uh, tourists. And another one is Prosecco, Prosecco only. And that one is a very good wine, but it's coming from the hills uh, near Venice, from the countryside. And uh, it's a sparkled white wine. Both sound lovely. So <laughs> I think anybody would appreciate any of those drinks. And one more question here. In terms of coffee, right? I have known Italians my whole life. A lot of them like black coffee. They like espresso. What is the typical order, right? Or the proper way to order coffee in Venice, if that's a thing. So you have to order, if you want uh, a strong coffee, you have to order espresso. This is the uh, the strongest one that we have, of course, in Venice. And me too, I'm drinking the espresso. We are calling liscio, liscio. That's it in Italian. So if you're ordering liscio, you understand that it's like espresso. And so is the strongest good coffee that we have. And I'm not drinking with the sugar, okay? I'm not drinking with sugar. So like, you can appreciate it, you can uh, taste it better of course. I agree. I like black coffee too. And some people, and when I do drink it, which is very, 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 very rare, but when I do have coffee, I do like it black or with a splash of almond milk, right? That's no, because always great. You have to appreciate the coffee, the real coffee, of course, inside. And when I traveled around, I traveled also to Istanbul, for instance, and there I tasted the uh, Turkish coffee but it's also stronger you know it's stronger than us and uh, you can appreciate but there we have the also there in an important place for the coffee but venetians also be imported to venice from turkey ah good to know i thank you for sharing that and i i always hate to wrap these up but alessandro you've been wonderful you have so much knowledge of history I think part of it comes from, of course, being a professor, but allowing that knowledge to also take you to be a tour guide and a licensed tour guide, might I add. But your knowledge, your wisdom, the amount of local places that you know, and really skipping the line and all your tips and tricks to Venice are incredible. I'd love for you to shamelessly plug away all of your social media, your website, and most importantly, how can people book an experience with you? Okay, for, uh, yeah, thank you for all the words you said to me, and I'm so happy. And uh, so, secondly, my social media are so simple. So you can follow me on Instagram. You can find Tour Leader in Venice. And uh, in Instagram, you can write like this, and all united. And you can find me on Instagram, Tour Leader in Venice. The same thing is for Facebook. You can find me Tour Leader in Venice, but separated, okay? all separated. You can find also me on TripAdvisor. On TripAdvisor, you can find me True Leader in Venice, like this. And uh, the, my website, as I said before, is www.trueleaderinvenice.com. Okay, uh, I link all your stuff, by the way. So all the information for Alessandro is linked. It will be Facebook, Instagram, your website, and all the places that people can find you. So no worries at all. But again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for tuning into Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast. Click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week, where you'll find out more about how they got started, talking in detail about their experience, and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share. Do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about, whether it is a tour, excursion, adventure, or experience? Fill out our form online on our website at www. .travelexperiencesreimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer.